Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Don't Diminish the Word of God as we pick up in Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Jeremiah 26 through 30. In the 22nd chapter of Jeremiah, the Lord had ordered Jeremiah to go to the king's house, Zedekiah, and prophesy unto him. So these prophecies were those that Jeremiah gave to Zedekiah, who was the last of the kings of Israel prior to the Babylonian captivity. And as he is speaking there in Zedekiah's court, he is bringing up prophecies that the Lord had given him in previous years to other of the kings. And so as we get into chapter 26, as he is giving this message in the court of King Zedekiah, he tells him that in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all of the words that I command thee to speak unto them, and diminish not a word. Many times I think that we have a tendency to diminish from the word of God. There are a lot of people today who have taken issue with some of the subjects in the scriptures. And because they have taken issue with them and the subjects have become rather controversial, there is a tendency on many parts to seek to diminish from what God has said. But I think that it is a dangerous thing to diminish or seek to diminish the message of God because we oftentimes then give people a sense of false security. Now, nobody really dislikes the subject of eternal punishment more than I. And yet, it would be absolutely derelict of me to diminish from what the Lord has said in the Word concerning the fate of the sinners, to give them a false hope, a false comfort. And so God is saying to Jeremiah, now look, you say everything that I tell you to say and don't soft pedal it, Jeremiah. Don't diminish from the word. Now, there are two things we are really told not to do. We're not to add to it, nor are we to take away from it. When God gave his law to Moses, he gave the warning. Now, be careful that you don't add to it or that you don't take away from the words of this book. And, of course, when the final book of Revelation was written and God was sealing up his revelation. He said, any man who adds to the words of this book, to him shall be added the curses that are in the book. 
And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, his name shall be taken out of the book of life. So that is how firm God is in his desire that we speak his word plainly as he has declared it, not seeking to add to it, not seeking to take away or to diminish from it. And so the Lord is warning Jeremiah, now look, don't diminish a word. If so be, they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. Now, God is saying, lay it on them. Don't diminish it. It may be that they will hearken unto what I have said. And always the purpose of God giving his message is that people might have the opportunity to respond. You say, well, doesn't God know if they're going to respond or not? Yes, God does know if they're going to respond or not. Well, if God knows they're not going to respond, then why does God speak to them? Because God wants to be righteous when he judges. Then no one will be able to stand before God and say, well, I didn't know or I never heard or I didn't have a chance. So God says, don't diminish a word in order that they might hearken. If they will hearken, if, if at this point they would turn, they would be saved. In order that God said, I might repent me of the evil which I purpose to do. Now, we have to use human words to describe the actions of God. And so when we speak of God repenting, that's because we have just the limitation of the choice of human language in order to describe divine actions. But even in this word itself, in the original the root of it is to sigh. And it is sort of a sigh of relief. If the people will turn to me, then God can sigh in relief for not having to bring the judgment upon them. How many times I've sighed when I've seen the change in the attitude of my children. Oh, Dad, I'm sorry. All right, you know, you know, you, you feel good. You, uh, now that they come with that attitude, you can deal with them. You don't have to spank them or you don't have to uh, punish them. They, they've come with a repentant attitude, asking forgiveness, and it and it it causes you to say, ah, oh, you know, you love it. You, you you're thankful that you're not going to have to bring uh, punishment upon them. And so God is saying, don't diminish your word. Speak the word that I tell you. Don't diminish it in order that they might turn and repent in order that I can sigh for relief of not having to bring this punishment upon them. God said through the prophet Ezekiel, turn ye, turn ye, for why will ye die? For behold, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked saith the Lord. How it grieves the heart of God to see the wicked die. Gives them every opportunity to turn and to know him and to love him.
Turn, turn, for why will you die? God is not willing that any should perish. God has extended his patience, his long-suffering, his grace to man. And so God sends the prophet, even after it's really too late, but still go and speak. If so be, they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I may sigh for the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of their evil doings. Now, that evil that God has purposed, of course, is allowing the king of Babylon to come and to destroy them. It isn't evil in the sense that God is doing an evil thing. Nor is it repentance in God's part in that God is repenting or uh, that he has done something. For the Bible tells us that God is not a man that he should repent, nor the son of man that he should change. Hath he not spoken, and shall he not do it? God said through the prophet, Behold, I am the Lord God, I change not. The immutability of God. Yet the grace and the mercy of God God said through Isaiah, did not I create evil? And that is the evil judgments that come to pass against the people, but not evil in the sense that God is in any way in league or in harmony with evil. Thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, If you will not hearken to me to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to hearken to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I've sent unto you, both rising up early and sending them, but you have not hearkened. Then will I make this house like Shiloh and will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. Now, Shiloh was the place where the tabernacle was first placed when they came into the land. But Shiloh now has become a desolate ruin. And Jeremiah the prophet is saying, if you don't hearken to God, he's going to make this place, the temple here, just a desolate ruin like Shiloh is. Well, the priest got very upset with Jeremiah at this point because he's talking now about their, their temple. And, and he's saying that the curse of God is going to be upon it. It's going to be made a desolate area. And so the priests and the prophets and all of the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Now it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of his speaking that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto the people that the priests and the prophets and all of the people took him saying, Thou shalt surely die. So the people following now the inspiration and the leading of the priest and the prophets grabbed Jeremiah and were determined to put him to death because he dared to speak against the house of God, declaring that the temple was going to be destroyed. And they said, why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, 
and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant. So he's accused of speaking against the temple and against the city as he pronounces the judgments that God is going to bring upon them. And all of the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. Now, when the princes of Judah, now you've got a third group. You see, you have the prophet and the priest, and they've graduated, they were going to kill you. And the people joining with the prophet and the priest. Yes, let's kill him. He's spoken against the temple, and he's spoken against the city. So the princes of Judah heard these things, and they came up from the king's house. They came, they heard that there's a tumult going on down there in the temple. They grabbed Jeremiah. Come. These princes come rushing from the king's palace to the house of the Lord. And they sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then spake the priests and the prophets to the princes and to all the people, saying, This man is worthy to die, for he hath prophesied against this city as you have heard with your own ears. Then Jeremiah spake unto the princes and to all the people, saying, and he's ignoring now the prophet and priest, but he turns to the princes and the people. He said, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all of the words that you have heard. Therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will repent him or sigh of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. As for me, behold, I'm in your hands. Do with me what it seems right to do. And, you know, God sent me to say these things. Now turn from your ways, your wickedness, in order that God might not have to bring this judgment on you. But I'm here as a messenger of God. God has sent me with this message. Now, I'm in your hands. Do what you want. You want to kill me? Go ahead, you know. Your business. But know this. For certain, that if you put me to death, you will surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth the Lord hath sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears. Then said the princes and all the people unto the priests and to the prophets, This man is not worthy to die, for he hath spoken to us in the name of Jehovah our God. Now notice how fickle the people are. They're ready to put him to death with the prophets and the priests because he has spoken against this house and against this city. There is that Latin phrase, what at the vocus uh, populus is the... Uh, is uh, the vocus of, of Deus or whatever, Deus. The voice of the people is the voice of God. That's not true. The crowd many times makes terrible mistakes. And here the people are siding with the prophets and the priests. Let's put him to death. The princes come down. The people say to the, with the princes, hey, no, he doesn't, shouldn't be put to death. You know, he's spoken in the name of God. Then rose up certain of the elders of the land. And they spoke to all of the assembly of the people, and they said, Micah, the Morishite, 
prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. And he spoke to the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of a forest. Now did Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and all of Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and besought the Lord? And the Lord repented him of the evil which he had pronounced against them. Thus might we procure great evil against our souls. So they're saying, look, this has happened before in the time of Hezekiah. This guy, uh, Micah, remember he came along and he spoke that God's going to bring desolation on this city. And rather than killing Micah, they, they hearken and they repented. And then they said, and there was also that man Urijah from Kirjath-Jerim who prophesied against this city and against the land according to the words of Jeremiah. You remember Urijah did the same thing. And when Jehoiakim, the king with all of his mighty men and all of the princes heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Urijah heard it, he was afraid and he fled and went to Egypt. And Jehoiakim the king sent into Egypt some men, uh, Elnathan, and uh, certain men that were with him, and they got him out of Egypt and brought him to Jehoiakim the king, who slew him with a sword and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people. Nevertheless, the hand of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah, that they should not give him into the hand of the people to put him to death. So some of the older men said, hey, you know, this has happened before, and Hezekiah didn't put him to death. They said, yeah, but it happened before, and Jehoiakim did put him to death, you know. So there was this division. But uh, the prince, Ahikam, sort of prevailed, and Jeremiah was spared death from the hands of the false prophets, the priests, and the people. Now, Jeremiah goes on to declare that in the beginning, he's speaking this to the king Zedekiah, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, came this word unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord to me, Make thee bonds and yokes and put them on thy neck. So Jeremiah made this wooden yoke and he put it over his neck, a yoke like they put over an ox. And uh, it was a sign of servitude. And so he put this yoke over his neck and walked around every place he went. Here he had this old yoke over his neck. And people say, what in the world do you got on your neck there? What is that yoke? What are you wearing that thing for? He said, so is the Lord going to bring Israel into bondage because of their iniquities. God's going to lead us into captivity because of our sin. And so it was, it was something that sparked a question in the minds of the people, but gave to Jeremiah the opportunity to share with them the word of the Lord. Now he said, make, so he made a bunch of these little yokes, one that he put on his own neck, but others that he sent to the various kings that surrounded Judah. Now at this particular time, they were preparing to rebel against Babylon. And they were planning a confederacy that they might get Edom and Moab 
and the king of Tyre and Sidon, that they might all join together against Babylon in hopes of breaking the yoke of Babylon from them. And so God says, now make a little yoke for each of these kings and send it to them with a message. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm. And I've given it unto whom it seemed right unto me. Now God is here declaring his sovereignty, really, over his creation. I've created the earth. I've created man. I've created kingdoms, and I've set upon the kingdoms those whom I will, those who seem good to me. Now, it is interesting that at this point, the Babylonian kingdom had arisen to world dominance. with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Jeremiah in our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Jeremiah 26 through 27 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless and keep you in His love through the power of His Holy Spirit as you are enriched in your walk with Jesus Christ day by day as He ministers to you His strength, His power. And may you begin to experience more and more in your own life that power of God's love transforming you and changing you and making you into His image by His Spirit, which dwells within you. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. 
That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.